This is episode 35 with Lori Fringen. In today's episode of Manifest Miracles, I'm talking with midwife Lori Fremgen. And this is not just any midwife, but my midwife. Lori is a passionate advocate for empowering women through the natural birth process. In today's episode, we talk about the differences between midwifery and OB care. We also talk about common misconceptions with home birth, midwife care, and you know everything that goes into that. This episode has a very special place in my heart because I remember when I was pregnant with my third child, I immediately knew that I wanted to do a home birth and I wanted to work with a midwife. But of course, my husband was a little resistant, you know, friends, family, just because of the like conversation around home birth in our society and our culture. And I felt like I had to like justify my decision and my intuition as a woman. So this episode is for anybody out there who's really feeling called to explore working with a midwife and really empowering themselves through the pregnancy and birth and even conception. So a little bit about Lori. She is a certified professional midwife and a licensed midwife in the state of Texas. She's been a midwife for 25 years, has been politically active in support of a person's right to choose midwifery care for all of those years and currently serves as the chair of the Midwives Advisory Board. Lori is a midwife with a loving heart and a fierce soul, and I can't wait to introduce you guys to Lori, to her advocacy and activism. We're also touching a lot on the medical industrial complex and how it impacts birth, and also some of the inherent racism that is in the birthing world, unfortunately. So this is a very illuminating and eye-opening episode and also really supportive for any birthing people out there. I can't wait to hear what you think. Satnam. Lori, I'm so happy that you're here on Manifest Miracles. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. And Lori and I have a very special, very intimate bond because Lori was my midwife and helped to bring my son happy out into the world. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I just love you. And one of the things that I love most about you is how much of an advocate that you are for empowering mamas through natural birth, through their birth process, whatever it is that they choose. When I started working with you as my midwife, you know, I started following you on Instagram and Mm -hmm. it's so much more than just birth. Birth is so political. It's so empowering. It's so charge. There's so much to it. So, and you are just like a beacon for mamas Mm, looking at birth as something that is incredibly empowering and life-changing rather than something to be feared and like where we don't have any of the power. So I'm just, yeah, exactly. I mean, birth was designed to be like that. It's a very holy, sacred experience designed from the creator to give women power, like it is meant to give women power. Certainly for the last hundred years in the medical model, that power has been 
taken away, or there's been lots of control, lots of manipulation, lots of fear tactics, you know, trying to, I don't even understand the ultimate aim. Right. <laughs> I know. Point. Like, why, why are you trying to scare us so much? Yeah. Well, and one of the, okay. So there were two things, like when I reflect back on my experience, because, so you guys might know that I have three kids. My first two births were standard hospital births and like epidurals, the whole shebang. I was induced with my first pregnancy, second pregnancy, my water broke and we went to the hospital and then third pregnancy. I finally experienced the magic of natural birth at home. Okay. So two big differences, and this might be TMI, but we're talking about birth. So whatever. Um, Okay. You never once put your hands inside of me right ever throughout right. the birth or prenatal, prenatal. care mm-hmm. the prenatal care like right. never never once versus mm-hmm. with my experience with OB and that's like they're all up inside you the whole time you know exactly. so a it's way less invasive and that invasion is really not necessary and then secondly when I had my daughters at the hospital, it was very much like, you know, the team of people coming in, telling me exactly what to do, how to breathe, when to push. It was them and me just like, Oh, okay. Just tell me what to do. You know, um, like sleep now, eat now, don't eat now, stand up now. Don't go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, push now, you know, don't look here, look here, you know? And with Mm -hmm. you, I remember one of the things that I was so just like, Whoa. So during the birth, you came and really sat back quietly and just like observed. And you noticed, like, I kept trying to go sit on the toilet and like, Justin was like, Oh my God, is she going to have her baby in the toilet? You know? Mm -hmm. And you just quietly observed and tuned in Ah, birthing chair. This is what she needs. So you guys quietly set that up. I went and sat on it and my body immediately started pushing. You guys didn't tell me to start pushing. It was just, you let me have all of the power and you were there to create this sacred, beautiful container of support. And just like, you are safe. We got you. If, if I forgot, did forget to breathe, you let Justin tell me, you know, and and it, it was such Oh, such like a deep bonding, magical, transformational experience for us as a couple and a family. And same with Scout, my doula, you know, she just yeah. really just sat back and let the magic unfold on its own, which does not happen in the hospital. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Yeah. I mean, birth is designed to work if no one's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we trust birth, then we trust it to work. Our presence doesn't really need to be that big. We just let the birth be the presence, you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this because I remember when I was like totally set on a home birth from the moment I found out that I was pregnant, I was like, I'm working with a midwife and I'm going to have the baby at home, or at least that's what I would like to happen. And Justin was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, (laughs) wait a second. You know, like, what if, what if this happens or what if this happens? So let's talk a little bit about that because I'm sure there's a lot of my listeners who are very drawn to this idea of more empowered natural birth at home, but right. who don't know how to like, and I hate to even use this word, defend it, you yeah. know, like yeah. especially to their husbands or their partners or their wives, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about some misconceptions or like kind of the three or however many top things you hear from like a partner who might be resistant or, you know, a pregnant Mm -hmm. woman who might also like have a little bit of concern. So what are some misconceptions? I think the what ifs are an important conversation because you know, for everybody to have kind of peace of mind and bring more love into the experience instead of more fear into the experience, it helps to have that conversation. It helps to know like, if an emergency happens, how do we handle it? If a baby doesn't breathe, how do we handle that? If a mom bleeds too much, how do we handle that? We're super well-trained. We have all these protocols and rules and laws in place that kind of create a little bit of structure for us. And so we're not like flying by the seat of our pants. Which is what Justin thought. Justin was like, yeah. I thought it was going to be like a hippie lady with a bunch of cats. Yes. And yeah. not nothing wrong with hippie ladies with a bunch of cats. I admire yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but he he was very much thinking that it was just going to be like, like that. And yeah. you guys are so trained and you yeah. have all the things you bring all the the tools and the oxygen and the this and the that and something that I remember you telling Justin because he was like well what if she has to have an emergency c-section and I'm pretty sure you said like we know about that and we'll send you to the hot it's not like this last minute thing right. like and you guys are not there to like prove home birth is better like if a hospital exactly. intervention is necessary you're, you're sending mama to the hospital and you're going with them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's not home birth at all costs. It's safe home birth, safe mom, safe baby. And so we err a little bit more on the side of being conservative. Like I've sat in the hospital and watched them sit on heart tones that are going down and down and down and down. I'm just like, Oh my God. Whereas if we start to see that happening, we have to factor in travel time to the hospital. And so we're acting sooner. We're not like waiting to the last, right? you know, dire second. Yeah. The thing that influences the outcome more than anything is the care provider's expectations. And so if you have a doctor who has a 50% C-section rate, the chances are (laughs) you are going to have some kind of managed outcome in your birth. It's going to be highly managed. And mm-hmm. the tactics that some doctors use to get that mama onto the table to have a C-section. Exactly. Can be a little bit questionable. questionable. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. questionable. It's manipulative. And I've definitely seen it. You just make one tiny little suggestion that your baby's life might be in danger and that's it. A mom is not going to take a risk and is not going to put the baby's life in danger, whether it's true or not. And dads or partners, I should say, really are more concerned about the birthing person. Interestingly, Interestingly like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's their concern. And they don't want to take risks with their partner. Right. So if they hear anything, and I'm certainly not suggesting that all doctors are manipulative and that all C-section are unnecessary. Don't hear me saying that, but Mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes, or some of the times doctors, they know what to say in order to get moving with the C-section. Exactly. And that is upsetting. Yeah. Well, the World Health Organization recommends that a country's C-section rate should be somewhere around 10 to 15%. 
And ours is, it hovers between 33 and 35%. And some hospitals and some doctors have a much higher C-section rate. Some have lower, of course. Midwives in general tend to have maybe like a 7% C-section rate. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The thing that was so life-changing for me mm-hmm. with the birth of happy was being so fully present in my body, not giving a shit what anybody else thought about me because I was like completely naked, like just getting in any position that my body wanted to lead me into, like mm-hmm. making whatever noise my body wanted me to make, you know, but it was just like, wow, I don't know if I have ever been that fully embodied without yeah. a care, you know, and just yeah. to be in that energy is incredibly healing. It's instantaneously yeah. healing yeah. and instantaneously changes you forever. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, all of our spiritual practices talk about, you know, the work of being present and the tactics and the practices that we use to get more present. Well, birth is a presence exercise and it's the repetition of the contractions. It's the work, the breathing. It's like all all these spiritual (laughs) practices. It's all there. It is the most holy and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People call out to God or, you know, whatever people are calling out. And in that practice, like what happens is the walls of the ego and the ego constructs start to kind of recede for a moment. And it's part of this like vortex that opens. So the soul can come through. Mm. Right. So it has to be done. I mean, that's how like you bond so deeply to your baby that you know everything. And it's how love gets generated and created in this world. And something that I missed out on with my first two births was that rush of hormones, the cocktail of hormones that occurs with natural birth. And it is a high, like I've never experienced And I do a lot of Kundalini. So, (laughs) um, and just these hormones, like I remember my doula scout, like messaging me and you guys messaging me, like after like day two or three or four, I don't know, like, you know, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm amazing. I know. You know? <laughs> I know. I'm doing so good. And like, yeah. Justin told me there was one part during the birth where he was like, you started glowing literally yeah. and you haven't stopped. And that was like, you know, a week after the birth. And now, unfortunately it's, it's worn off. It does. It eventually wears <laughs> it off. Eventually it wears off. I think that like five months of no sleeping kind of took yeah. the glow away, but there is something so intoxicating and so deeply bonding and magic about the natural birth. And again, you know, I just want to say like, I'm not somebody who's like, you know, natural birth at all costs. Like I obviously had two hospital births. So if you've had hospital births, like I'm not, I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying like, wow, like the creator, this divine intelligence. I mean, it knows what's up. Like it does. It knows what's up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I've had one of each also. So I, I know why people choose what they choose. I totally get it. And it's why I always say birth is a love event because because of that hormonal cocktail. And if you don't interfere with it, and if you let that fetal ejection reflex come spontaneously, 
And if you let the natural oxytocin really flow through, it's probably the most love I've ever felt in my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's incredible. It's incredible. It's like that, like those scenes in a movie where like it cuts to like someone having this realization and it's like the big, like burst wave of energy from their third eye. And it's like their Mm -hmm. whole life flashes and like music. And I mean, like birth is not something to be feared. It is something to be fully embraced and it really can be life-changing. So let's talk about some of the major differences between midwifery care and like standard OB care. It's like from the simple to the profound, you know, just like what it looks like on the outside, you know, appointments with me last an hour, Mm -hmm. right? You maybe wait a minute or two, and then we have an hour together. And in the OB, it's the exact opposite. Usually wait like an hour and have maybe, maybe five minutes. But in that hour, you know, we have all this time to like build a relationship and to talk about the things that are going on for you or some of your concerns or fears about birth or some of your excitement about birth. You know, there's just so much time to talk about Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I've actually sat down and done the math on the average amount of time I spend with a client versus an OB spends with a patient. And so an OB spends probably about three hours total from beginning of care through the birth, postpartum to the end. And I think we probably spend about 25 hours mm-hmm. yeah. and like that discrepancy is huge. Oh my gosh. Huge. The mental health component, because mm-hmm. the majority, so I had a very healthy, easy breezy pregnancy. And so right. when I came in, you know, it was like, okay, how are you feeling? Let's listen to the heart rate, you know, but then you just, you guys just opened up the floor for me to just talk about what I was feeling like mentally, emotionally. And sometimes it had nothing to do with the pregnancy. You know, it was just like, I mean, I remember crying one day, like to Lena, your assistant Mm -hmm. at the time. And it was just like, I just don't feel supported in my community. You know, it's just some random something, you know, and Lena just sat there and held space for me and like, just let me cry. And she wasn't like trying to push me out and that alone to feel like you are being seen and understood and held as you go right. through this process is, is huge. Right. Okay. And the, the postnatal care, like yes. you guys came to my house to yeah. check on us like a couple days later. I mean, after the birth, a couple days later, and just like, kind of just sat and like, mm-hmm. just hung out with me, made sure I was okay. And the baby was good. And yeah, make sure breastfeeding's going well if that's what you know people want to do. You know, the other part is that we can do all of the things an OB can do. Like we can do lab work, we can check your blood pressure, we can refer you for sonograms, all this stuff. So it's not like this care is lacking in any way. <laughs> no, my God, it's so robust. Justin called exactly. it the VIP treatment. He was like, this is. is the star VIP treatment. Like I, people yeah. got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Matt Randall, you know, Matt Randall calls it the platinum package. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, <laughs> it totally is. And it's traditionally like a lot cheaper too. Yeah. 
we've got the time difference, the like quality of like mental health, just checking in anything else that really comes to mind about big differences. Yeah. And so, and then I think it was kind of what I was talking about before it's the care provider's perspective and expectation. And so if you're like, just for example, most doctors are watching for pathology or something to go wrong. And so their mind is attuned to that. And so you know how it is when you're like raising your kids. If you set expectations, they generally will follow them. Like, man, that kid of mine is so noisy. Well, they'll just be noisy. So the same is true for this kind of care, you know. So if you are have the expectation of normal and the expectation of a birthing person's capacity to give birth, that's what you will see. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely what I experience just yeah. very much like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Everything's yeah. good. Like you look yeah. fine. You sound like everything's good. Whereas like hospital births are like, okay, you got to pee in this cup. You got to do this. You got to do this. We yeah. gotta check this. I mean, I did pee in a cup every time I went, I went to see you, You're but right. like, it is very like, oh shit. I hope nothing's wrong. I hope nothing went wrong. And mm-hmm. with working with you guys, like it was all just very much like you are a normal human who is not broken. Exactly. You are good. You're growing a baby and your body is working just fine. And yeah, mm-hmm. not treating me like this, like very like vulnerable, broken thing. Exactly. And then the other part of it is when things do come up because they do like somebody's blood pressure might get a little funky or their blood sugar level might be a little funky. We actually sit down and work together on a plan that actually will help the situation instead of, you know, throwing drugs on top of it or some other way to control and manage it on top of it. Just for example, I see when people have blood sugar issues, we can almost always control those unless it's a true diabetic, which we can't do at home anyways, that's out of our scope of practice, but it's a more holistic approach to like just your normal lifestyle, like how you eat and maybe the supplements you take and are you getting any exercise? And, you know, like I do on my Instagram, I'm Mm -hmm. like, are you getting forward motion today? Mm -hmm. You know, because like moving forward is such an important part of your mental health and mental health is such an important part of pregnancy and birth. And so we just like check on all that stuff. Hey loves, just popping into the middle of this episode to talk about body acceptance. So I really struggled with body image issues for most of my life. And I cannot tell you how much my life has changed since learning how to accept and embrace my body exactly as is. The Body Positivity Journal by yours truly, Megan Sylvester is available on Amazon and where all books are sold. This is a journal to boost self-love and acceptance through inspirational prompts and practices. So if you are ready to kickstart your body acceptance journey today, check the link in the show notes, click it and get the Body Positivity Journal today. What would you say to somebody, if somebody's listening and they're like, oh yeah, this all sounds great, but I'm a high risk pregnancy. So I can never work with a midwife because I'm high risk. They should probably just ask me about that. <laughs> <laughs> would you label somebody high risk or is there like a more holistic term for that? We talk in terms of risk assessment sometimes, not to you guys, but kind of 
in the background because who needs to be hearing about the word risk when you're pregnant? Right. Really? So we do talk about it in the background, but people get labeled high risk who are not high risk. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I was 37, yeah. 36 and like OB world, I would have been like, what, like a geriatric pregnancy, which is exactly <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So ridiculous. Yeah. And that comes with all this extra testing and all this extra fear and management Poking and prodding and invasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which then just exacerbates everything. Exactly. Exactly. So if you can get pregnant, you can carry the baby to term, you can give birth, you can breastfeed. I mean, it's just like, if you can do any one of those, you can do them all. Okay. So if someone thinks that they're high risk, however, they're very drawn to midwifery, to home birth, then they should still reach out to a midwife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should definitely just call and go over it. You know, it can be any midwife. We all have the same protocols for the most part. What are like some tips or things that someone should look for? Because my listeners are all over the world. So, you know, if they're starting to search for a midwife, like, are there certain things that maybe, you know, would be good for them to look out for if they're just kind of poking through websites or also questions to ask a midwife when they're like maybe doing an interview? Right. This is coming from a super American tech centric (laughs) perspective, Mm -hmm. because that's where I live and work in practice, right? In America, in Texas. So because we have standards already set up and in place, every midwife is going to like have a certain level of competency. And so really at that point, you want to try and figure out who you're bonded with or where the energy kind of flows. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference in licensing? Because the letters at the end of someone's name, you know, when we're in that world, we know what they mean. But like, you know, someone who's not and who sees like, you know, your name and then the letters, they don't know what the hell that means. So are there any certain letters that someone should be looking out for after somebody's (laughs) name? (laughs) Yeah. So there's two different kinds of midwives. There's a certified nurse midwife. And they basically receive their training in a hospital center, university-based education. And they essentially have a master's degree in midwifery from nursing. And so that's one type of midwife. If you're looking for kind of a more medicalized care with maybe more access to medication or some nurse midwives can actually go with you into the hospital that's something to consider. If you're looking for a more home birth, community birth is kind of what the term is now, more holistic type of care, then you would want to look for a certified professional midwife, CPM, or a licensed midwife. But not every state has midwives legally licensed. So it's tricky. Illinois is one of those, right? You can't practice midwifery in Illinois. People do practice. And why do you think that is? Why is it illegal? Oh, it's complete patriarchy, medical model mindset. You know, when only 1% of the population has an out-of-hospital birth or community birth, that's 99% of the people who think medical birth is the status quo and just fine. It's wild. It's wild. It's wild that a woman is not, or a birthing person is not legally allowed to have her baby at home. Is that right? Like in certain States, is that accurate to say that? 
I mean, if she has the baby at home because the baby was coming out, like no one's yeah. going to come and arrest her. Yeah, that's <laughs> not the that's not the legal issue. It's the care provider is the legal issue. Who that's can, so who can up. actually care for you? That's yeah. so fucked up. Yeah, completely, <laughs> completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really yeah. like it's not giving a birthing person access to the choice that they actually want, and so it exactly. could be endangering. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, I do a lot of political work in midwifery and I spoke to a Republican because we're in Texas and you have to negotiate and work with Republicans. That is (laughs) just how it has to be for now. (laughs) So whatever, but we were talking about women's reproductive rights and I'm just like, there is not one single law that governs a man's body. Right. And yet I can like show you a laundry list of laws that govern women's bodies. And like, how is that? Okay? How is that? Okay. Yeah. How is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, God forbid you like regulate ejaculation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Our presence That's with people. Life. Right. You know? That's potential life a, right there. Let's talk about racism in the birthing world. Yeah. Because yeah. it's rampant. It is. It's an issue. It's an issue from care provider racism. And then, of course, the effects of that are going to be the outcomes. Right. And so Texas has the highest maternal mortality rate in the country. Black women being having the highest percentage of that mortality rate. It's totally due to like, racism and women not being believed and black women, especially not being believed. And when a black woman comes in and says, this is what's happening, they're usually just kind of like brushed aside. Like that happened with Serena Williams, you know, maybe one of the most famous, well-known black women in this country, maybe in in the world. And when she said, Hey, (laughs) I am having a blood clot issue she got blown off and she almost died. What can a a black woman or a woman of any race who feels like they are experiencing some sort of prejudice, some sort of racism, Mm -hmm. what can they do? Can someone switch to midwifery care? Like anytime during their pregnancy, anytime, anytime there's a huge push in the midwifery community right now to train more black midwives and to make sure that the birthing person can receive culturally competent care, meaning like there are just certain ways that black people act when they're together, that they reserve themselves when they're in the presence of white people. Right. And so when you go into the birth, you want this birthing person to be as freely expressed as possible. And that means having someone who you can be as free as possible with. So just for example, Scout is now training with me. She's my student. She just started. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. It's so good. And Austin needs another black midwife. We only have a couple. And I think in the black community, there is a push to have maybe more out of hospital birth. So the only way to actually really meet that is to have more black midwives. And there's quite a bit of campaigns. I don't know if campaign is the right word, but Mm -hmm. to raise money for black midwife and black doula training Mm -hmm. and support, right? Yeah, exactly. Like there's black home birth matters, ATX. So that's 
one fund that's building funds for black women in Austin to have home births. That's amazing. That's how important this is. That's how people are really starting to see like there's Mm -hmm. even racism in hospitals, a place where we're supposed to feel really safe and also against women, black women Mm -hmm. in particular, but women in particular, you know, going through birth, like, yeah, it's just such a shame that we are not believed when we say, Hey, I'm feeling this. And of course this is not all the time. There are some really amazing OBs out there and, and nurse practitioners and amazing, you know, just kind of, this is a trend though. It is. It's a systemic problem. That's the issue. It's, and people make up a system. (laughs) So you know, there may be some really good people out there, but there's also some really bad people out there. And when a system is allowed to be perpetuated like that, I'm just like, um, <laughs> you're kind of allowing the the racist people or the bad people or the oppressive people or the controlling people to dictate how it goes. Mm. I always love asking my guests two questions. Mm-hmm. And the first okay. is, what is one of the coolest things that you have ever manifested? Um, I I don't know. My kids, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe my kids. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. All right. Okay. Second question. What does the word miracle mean to you? So I see miracles as mundane, everyday things. It's just happening all the time. And that's not some, yeah. Birth is a miracle, but birth is also a totally natural process. Exactly. It's down and dirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miracles can be down and, and dirty, dirty. Yes, uh-huh. they can. <laughs> Dir- dirty miracles. That's right. <laughs> that sounds like a cocktail. <laughs> I love it. Dirty yeah. miracles. Okay. Yeah. Um, to all the pregnant women, mm-hmm. pregnant mamas listening right now, what words of wisdom what words of advice do you have for them, for anybody who's maybe feeling anxious, who's feeling scared of birth, especially right now during a pandemic, during a pandemic, just let's hear what your heart has to say. I think it's so important for women to surround themselves with good support. And so if a home birth is not an option for them, they should hire a doula and a, a doula will just give them all kinds of love and support and encouragement. And, and that's so important to tune in in that way. And I think that anybody who's feeling anxious, honestly, is not dropping deeper inside. How can a pregnant mama drop deeper inside? Yeah. You got to get quiet and you got to slow down. What if a pregnant mom is like, I have all this stuff to do. I have this job. I have that. Da, 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 da. I know which I probably came into your office many times and was like, I got to slow down. I got to slow down. I got to, but then I manifested that fall. I fell yeah, later in my pregnancy. And right. that's when the universe was like, you kept saying you were going to slow down and you didn't. So here you then, go. Here you go. And then yeah. fortunately me and baby were both fine. I did think yeah. I thought my water broke, but like I slowed down after that I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Um, so don't be like me. And yeah, wait don't until get hit by two by four. <laughs> right, right. Wait until the universe knocks you upside the head with a pan. Yeah, it has to be a conscious choice to slow down and to find a deeper space inside. I mean, if you don't make the time for it, like it's like it's not just gonna 
happen unless you happen to fall. Well, all right. And I think this is something also that comes with self-worth and setting yeah. boundaries and recognizing yeah. your value. And mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. Some mamas out there, you might have a nine to five, you might have two or three jobs that you're working to just put food on the table for your family. But what are you doing in the in-between times? Are you saying yes to obligations and commitments and errands and stuff that really aren't necessary? Yeah, exactly. Getting really honest with yourself and feeling comfortable with telling people no, you know? Yeah. You have to choose it, whether it's five minutes before you go to bed or just a slower lifestyle in general. I don't know. I think that's one of the blessings of COVID. If you can say that, it might be ironic to say it, but it has made people slow down, which is good the anxiety is even higher. <laughs> right. Right. It's a so, trade-off. Yeah. I will say one of, one of the big differences in my pregnancy with my son versus my daughters with my son, I made the conscious decision to see this pregnancy as miraculous and holy and sacred and something that I was going to enjoy. Even the sensations both during birth, but also the sensations, the emotional sensations, but it was something that was giving me the opportunity to, as those emotions really rose to the surface, instead of just saying like, oh, this sucks, I'm pregnant and hormonal. And, you know, it was like, no, 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 no. This is an opportunity for me to release Mm -hmm. what's coming to the surface And, and being very intentional and mindful and grateful that I was so hormonal so that the emotions got to come. And so then I wasn't, you know, impacting those emotions onto baby, you know, instead I was allowing them to come up. And Mm -hmm. whereas with my daughters, it was like, this sucks. Like I can't drink alcohol. I can't go out. Like I, Mm -hmm. everything looks bad on me. You know, like my boobs are getting too big. It was just this constant, like complaining. This is constant complaining, you know? Yeah. yeah, Like a fucking course I complained when I was pregnant with happy, you know, but, but it was, it's very different energy, you know? Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, pregnancy and birth are a little bit of, I always say it's a little emotional house cleaning time. Totally. I love that. Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah. And it's like, that's such an important opportunity to kind of clean all that stuff out. And, you know, like your sciatic pain, can be the key to go deeper, Mm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you got to slow down when you have sciatic pain. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's no running around with that shit. No, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's many opportunities to go slower, to go deeper. And our society is so obsessed with constant move that it makes it hard for a pregnant mama to say, no, let me stop and tune in. And exactly. Yeah. It's just as if our busyness is our worth and that's not true. Our worth is much bigger than that. Well, and I remember when I was pregnant with Lily, who's now 12, like I was one of the first ones out of both me and my husband's group of friends to like give you pregnant. And I remember hearing like a conversation that my husband was having with one of his friends and they were like, Oh, is she getting all like emotional and crazy already? You know? And it was like, And then I had this complex of like needing to be very like even keeled, cool, calm, collected the whole time just to prove that I wasn't, you know, that, Mm -hmm. and that sucked, you know, and I had a ton 
of migraines during that pregnancy. And oh, it's like, right. No wonder, like all yeah. this pressure manifest to, to stay cool was like manifesting and like fucking blowing up my head. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That energy has to get dispersed somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the healing qualities of birth. Like it's an incredible output of energy. You know, it can be this really healing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. No, they see it as a, like, not an opportunity, but rather like something scary and painful. And, oh my God, this is going to suck. And, I have you know, to just, just get through it. Just got to get through it. And just looking yeah. at the rates of like how many women choose epidurals. I had epidurals for my first two. You know. So I know, I get it. Like, I understand, yeah. but there is so much fear mongering mm-hmm. from, childhood, you know, like as little girls, we hear about like how painful this is. And this is the story that we perpetuate instead of this is so empowering and you're a goddess, you know, like we don't, we don't hear that. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't. Same with our cycles. We don't hear that. Yeah, exactly. That's not the story. My mom always just said that giving birth is hard work. And I was, you know, as an adult and then going through my own birth experiences and now as a midwife, so grateful for that perspective because there was no fear in that. It was just like, yeah, just a kind of matter of fact, it's yeah, just hard work. It is. It is. And it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But hard work can be exhilarating and beautiful. So and yeah, yeah, so rewarding. So rewarding mm-hmm. when you're like, damn, I did that. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. I did that. Exactly. I did it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even the mamas who have C-sections, like mm-hmm. that's still empowering, you know, like mm-hmm. if you make the conscious decisions, mm-hmm. birth mm-hmm. is still beautiful, empowering, no matter how it turns out, it, it can be beautiful. It can and empowering. be. It can be. If you make empowered decisions. Right. And then the other side is it can be very traumatizing, traumatizing and disempowering. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it's crazy. Like it's kind of one of those really polarizing things in terms of like empowerment or trauma. Mm-hmm. What can a mama, a birthing person do mm-hmm. to help their pregnancy be as empowered as possible? I know that's a really big question, but just like yeah. one or two things that they can either this, you know, a mindset or mm-hmm. a question what can they do to protect that energy? Right. I think it's all a mindset. And I think it's like really coming to know and embody and like in the truest sense of knowing the deepest sense of knowing that if you trust your heart to beat and your stomach to digest and your lungs to breathe, you can also trust your uterus to give birth. And we don't think about our lungs breathing or our heart beating, unless, you know, we're exercising and it's something we want to track. So can you get to a place where you just trust that deeply? That's the work of pregnancy. Mm. Mm. I love that. And one thing for me, I have a very inquisitive, curious mind. And Mm -hmm. so something that helped my birth with you to be very empowering is I read very empowering books around birth. I did not read what to expect when expecting. Instead, I read like Ina May Gaskin's, you know, Mm -hmm. child guides, childbirth, which is like a very, you know, it's just sharing Mm -hmm. beautiful birth stories, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but I got very curious and I just started exploring why, why are we told we have to have sonograms all the time? You know, like why, and just 
really started taking my own path of discovery and exploration. And, mm-hmm. and that for me was very, I mean, knowledge is power, but wisdom mm-hmm. and intuition is, is the like, shit is the shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys can quote us on that. If you'd like, you can, <laughs> you can feel free to make t-shirts. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Knowledge is power, but intuition is the shit. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. So good. Okay. Well let's, let's end there then. Let's end on that. Okay. I don't, I think that was amazing. Awesome. Um, Lori, amazing. We're going to put all of your links, how to get in touch with Lori, please follow her on Instagram so that you can really begin to empower not only your own pregnancy conception journey, pregnancy, birthing journey, but also to educate yourself on how to be an advocate for other birthing people to hold space for other pregnant mamas mamas, like just please follow Lori and and the world will change. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Ah, Amazing. 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 Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for the work that you do in the world. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye Lori. Bye. That's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Manifest Miracles. Before you go, I've got some exciting news to share with you. In August, I will be launching your sacred space to activate and amplify your highest, truest self with Kundalini Yoga. The Lotus Collective is a monthly membership consisting of high vibe and soul nurturing weekly Kundalini and yoga meditation classes taught by me. These 30 to 45 minute classes will take you on a journey, traveling through the depths of your consciousness, reaching down to that sacred divine feminine power within you. You'll leave each class with a clearer understanding of who you are and what you are meant to do in this life. Or at the very least, you'll feel a little better in your mind and body. So like I said, this is an online community. It's an online membership with classes that will be recorded so you can come to them anytime that you have the time. You can practice once a week or you can practice these classes and Kriyas every single day. The membership will open in August and for those who get on the wait list, you'll get access to the founder's rate of only $12 a month or $99 a month for the entire year. So if this sounds like something that you've been calling into your life, check out the link below and the show notes for Lotus Collective waitlist and get on it. Thanks guys. Bye.